0: Hi everyone, my name's Johnny McCormick, and you're listening to Spoke. This week I had the privilege of sitting down for a conversation with the wonderful Jess Chance. Jess is a creative currently residing in Toronto, Canada. Apart from being a super talented singer, songwriter and poet, a number of months ago Jess started a very special dinner series called Share Plates. Shareplates essentially invites eight strangers to an evening of dinner, drinks and conversations together. And what emerges can be deep conversations, the type that seemingly go on forever that you don't want to end, or an evening filled with belly laughs, or sometimes a lovely mix of the two. In this episode, you'll get a bit of a preview of what it might be like to have dinner with strangers please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. That way you'll never miss a show. If you're enjoying it, also please make sure you've left us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That's the best way that you can help others find the show. So without further ado, let's get into it with Jess Jans. Jess, thanks so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. Really, really excited to have you on the show.
1: I'm so excited to chat with you. This is great.
0: So Jess, the first sort of question that I typically like to kick off with is how do you introduce yourself to people? I think a bit of a theme of the show is becoming we have these guests on who wear so many different hats that it can be hard for someone like me to describe to the audience what it is that you do. And you certainly seem like someone with your finger in many pies. So can you give us a little bit of a <laughs> potted history of who you are and how you go about introducing yourself to people?
1: Sure. That's a great uh, way to describe it. Yeah, I have a lot of pies on the go right now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the umbrella way, the umbrella title that I would give myself if I can be so bold is a, is just being a creative. Um, I was in a band for five years called Fitness Club Fiasco, uh, which is an indie synth band. And um, we, I also write my own poetry blog called visit just jan so i write a lot of poetry all the time and sort of wear that hat and um most recently have become a co-founder of a dinner series called share plates um which we will be covering today on the podcast
0: Yeah. So really excited. And let's, I suppose, let's just jump into talking a little bit about share plates, Jess, because I think that's the thing in your intro that most people will be wondering about. They won't have any sort of frame of reference for what that is. So can you tell us Mm -hmm. a little bit about what exactly share plates is, what it is that you're trying to achieve, that sort of stuff?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my friend Ryan and I uh, started this dinner series last May Um, Ryan is my hairdresser and also a close friend. Um, and he had actually attended a dinner similar to what we're doing. Um, so I was in for a hair appointment and he's like, I think I'm going, I might be going to sort of a, it could be a multi-level marketing pitch and they're like duping me into it, but it's (laughs) a stranger dinner that I've been invited to. I don't really know what's going on. And then I saw him the following week and he, he said that he was invited to this dinner and it was the coolest thing that he's been to. And um, so the, the concept of share plates is that uh, Ryan and I each invite four people who don't know each other. Um, so usually we know them. Now that it's kind of gone on for a year, we get uh, recommendations from previous guests. So sometimes people are complete strangers to us as well. Um, but we each invite four guests from different areas of our life, from work or social or family that sort of thing. Um, and everyone comes to Ryan's studio. We host it there and make dinner for them uh in crock pots mostly, or we attempt to cook. And uh we no one's allowed to say what they do for work, and we prepare questions and everyone is part of the same conversation. So instead of just sitting next to the person beside you and making small talk for two hours, um, we attempt to sort of get into it and hear from everyone and uh just take the opportunity to get to know someone that might, you might not otherwise interact with and, uh, and hear about, hear about someone else's life, like make eye contact and share, share space with people and um, listen to what it's like to be them.
0: That is so cool. If I, so if <laughs> I was in Toronto, I would so be so down for doing something like that. And um, what, What's the what's the goal behind it, Jess? Like what are you what is it that you're trying to actually achieve other than just an evening of delightful conversation? What's the purpose or why are you sort of doing this?
1: Um it's funny because it is open-ended and we have learned that um, you know, we are facilitators to an extent, but it, we're not trying to play God at at dinner either. And each each dinner has had its own um sort of unintentional theme that's come out just because of the group that we gather. But even I can curate a guest list or whatever for my evening, but I don't know the people that are coming that Ryan's inviting and we don't know how they're going to interact together. Um, So it's really simple. It's just about practicing presence. And I think there's something powerful about sharing a meal with people and disconnecting a little bit from the social world And uh, like the social media world is such an ironic name for that. (laughs) Disconnecting from our phone and just making, uh, just holding space for each other and, uh, and practicing listening. I think that that's also to have, to practice undivided attention is something that we're, we're not great at in our culture these days either. And um, so we're, we're just trying to, all we're doing is presenting the table literally and figuratively and kind of see what, see what happens, like see, see what comes out of it. And, uh, I think that everyone, everyone has a story and everyone has stories to tell as well. And so if you just ask the right questions, all of a sudden it's not awkward. You're, you're spinning with a stranger and you're hearing about their childhood or something that they're amazing at or something that they're proud of. And, uh, those aren't conversations that we naturally get into, even with friends, Like you can get in a rabbit hole, I think, with friends sometimes where you're not having true conversation about what's going on in your life or um, fears that you have or roadblocks that you're having. You can sort of just uh, share surface level conversations. And so we're just trying to get a little bit deeper and and connect with other people.
0: So how do you go about getting people to open up like that? Jess, do you and is it Ryan prepare questions? Ryan, yeah.
1: We do, yeah. So we, um, again, it's been sort of trial and error. So we're learning, uh, the the ropes of it. So we have sort of an icebreaker box of questions that will be, um, on the sort of welcome table. We always have uh, a bottle of prosecco, bubbles going <laughs> when people come in, just to sort of loosen the loosen the joints a little bit, I think. And yeah. uh, just as people are arriving, we'll have um icebreaker questions and then we have some deeper ones on the table and um we just kind of get into it. Yeah. So we're um we've learned instead of putting like 30 questions in a basket, which might have overlap answers, we've um sort of we make a list of about 12 questions or so that may come up and let the order sort of be determined um as people draw them, just so it doesn't feel like we are in charge of the conversation the entire night um yeah so that's how how we decide what to talk about so
0: can you can you give us an example of some of those questions and some of those icebreakers that you maybe i'm just trying to get a sense of what it really feels like to be sitting around a table with um a load of people that maybe don't know each other and how you avoid that sort of inevitable two hours of awkward silence
1: totally well and the funny thing is because we have this rule that you can't say what you do for work which is always I don't know what it's it's like in Ireland. It's the go-to immediately because you're just trying to get a sense of who that person is. And that's how we most easily make sense. Or you, fingers crossed, have something to say about the career that they do. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so it is awkward when people come in. So right away we get into a question. So it will be like, do you have any tattoos and does your mom like them? Is the one that that we've asked before. (laughs) Or what's the most trouble you've ever been in? Um, Has been really charming question um what was your first job um everyone has a great story to regale for that and um what icebreaker questions yeah so um funny things like that like what my a good one is like what is your most drastic fashion low and people have the answers <laughs> <laughs> um awkward preteen haircuts come to come flashing back everyone is like traumatized after that um And, uh, and then for sort of the deeper questions, we always want to ask something that gives an idea of where people come from, either family structure or heritage. So asking, even just asking, uh, how many siblings do you have and are you close with them? What order are you in, in your family line? Um, there's always someone at the table that has like 12 siblings or something that you're just (laughs) not you're like, what was that like growing up? Um, uh, what is your family heritage and do you connect to it? Um, And then asking a question that sort of sneaky, gets people to brag about what they're good at without bragging. And so uh, two really good questions for that that we found are, what could you give a 40-minute presentation on with no uh, preparation whatsoever? And it's really funny because all of a sudden people just launched into this. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. Like, Ryan's friend came and said that he played bagpipes for – 12 years and ryan was like i had no idea they'd been they've been friends for years and years and he's like i didn't know that about you he's like oh yeah i went to an all-boys school and you sort of had a few options of i don't know if it was a scottish heritage school i can't really remember the details but uh it was sort of mandatory you had these like old old school options of of activities that you had to do so he picked bagpipes and he started explaining like how a bagpipe is made and traditionally and what makes the noise and all the skill that comes with it and the, the tradition behind it. Um, and then another great one is, uh, if any activity could be made into an Olympic sport, what would you be guaranteed to win gold in? Um, uh, my friend Billy famously or notoriously said texting and driving, uh, which (laughs) caused a huge, huge uproar. um he's from New Brunswick and he's like they have huge highways and I only do it there but I'm really good at it and everyone's just completely appalled um <laughs> but uh yeah so that's really a great question and then uh and then we'll get into like social responsibility questions um what people are really passionate about about changing the world um what happens when we die has been a really interesting question to ask and at the first time we asked it um the table it was the first question that came out of the box when we sat down for dinner so it was just like wow we're just really getting into it here and um that group there were a lot of people who had studied studied philosophy and were into more the science side of things or the um I guess the ins and outs or the technicalities of death and living and that sort of thing and then the a few weeks later um we asked or a few dinners later we Put that question in the box again. And it was a lot of artists. And so there was a lot of metaphysical sort of um, open-ended wondering about, about what happens when we die and more, more so, you know, it's just really amazing to sit around a table and hear about people's religious backgrounds or w- what formulates our beliefs and um, talk about uh, my friend Chris said during that, he always asks sort of the opposite of any question. So if you ask what is death, uh, you're asking what is living, and so that was how he sort of uh lives lives his life or the way that he approaches that sort of uh wondering about the way of the the way of the world I guess so yeah, mm-hmm. so those are sort of the types of questions that we cover in dinner. It covers favorite food to where we come from. <laughs>
0: Wow. That's, that's super interesting. I I'm really interested in the sort of the social dynamics of that. Um, Jess, so is, is there any, um, little stories or little nuggets that you can share about maybe some of your favorite answers to those questions or your favorite moments that you come away from a share experience um going, you know, wow, that'll stick with me or mm-hmm. um, yeah, I won't, I won't forget that that quickly.
1: Yeah. I mean, I could go on, I mean, we can just record them all and you can choose which one you include. I could go on forever. But um, one thing that was cool was um, we. my friend John came, who is uh, a philosophy major and used to be a bike courier and runs a bike shop and now works with uh, with youth in, in the city, um, but is a bit of a bohemian guy. And uh, one of Ryan's clients came, who's an investment banker. And I just loved that they had dinner together that they otherwise they live in such separate worlds and, um, had very different perspectives, I think on social responsibility and some questions that came up and it was all, we don't want it to be, um, like a screaming match talk show or, you know, sort of a a heated debate, um, by any means, but it, it is cool to, to, um, get people who, have different, have a different life experience than you and have a different lens that they look through the world. Um, so that was, that was our first dinner. And right away I was like, oh, this is cool that we're, we're bringing people together that wouldn't have dinner together. Um, one really poignant one of the, I think this may be the, the, to date the biggest, um, moment where I was like, this is a really cool thing that's happening. Uh, this, a, a friend a friend's boyfriend reached out to me and asked if he could come. And I've met him a few times, but he's quite reserved. And um, I didn't know what to expect. I was surprised that he would be interested in something like this. He's quite keeps to himself and I didn't know where it was going, but I said, yeah, absolutely. This is the date. I would love to have you. And the first question that came up for dinner uh, was, how is your life different than a year ago? Which has been always a really amazing question. Cause I think it either postures you to realize that you, have done more than you expected in a year or you realize that you've been on autopilot so you see kind of both both as it goes around the table people being like wow nothing is different than last february what have i been doing what am i doing you don't i we don't intentionally mean to put people in existential crisis but uh it's good to <laughs> it reflect. happens sometimes Yeah. And then other people where they spent and they're like, oh, well, I remember being really angry. I was struggling with this, or I didn't know what I was doing in my job. And now I'm in a new apartment or I had just broken up with someone, you know, there's so many things that can change in a year. Um, And so this friend uh, said that his, his brother's health is deteriorating and is actually uh, quite a grave diagnosis. And um, so, and that day his brother had gotten a feeding tube put in and through that, he has never had a relationship with his father before and, um, uh, through his brother's deteriorating health, he and his father have learned how to talk to each other in the last year. And they've learned how to trust each other and be kind to each other and lean on each other. Um, And he just said it so matter-of-factly. So he was like, well, that's different. So now I have a relationship with my father since last year. And so he just sort of felt, it was like, he was, I think, the third person to speak. And it was the first question of the evening. And he just sort of felt this settling into the table where people were like, okay, buckle up. Like, this is real talk and we're here to share. And that's uh, such an intense thing to share with a room of strangers. Um, But with such a beautiful story to see that, you just don't know what are, what's going on in people's lives and how how just I was struck by the delicacy of that story too and just how powerful it was. So it feels really humbling as a host to all we're doing. You could say like, oh, well, I renovated my kitchen. <laughs> it's like also another yeah. answer to that question, right? But that people are coming and they're, they're eager to share and happy to share truly who they are and what's going on in their world. Um, so that was a really... Powerful and intense moment, I guess. um that's Yeah, I
0: think that's such a beautiful story, Jess. Thanks so much for for sharing that. I'm interested to know um when someone shares something like that. It it seems to me that that would create almost this bond between the people at the table. So, mm-hmm. like you've know, reflected on, you know, people sort of sharp intake of breath, sit back, okay, buckle in. Here's what we're here to talk right. about tonight.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely.
0: But also that those, those communities that you're creating around share plates can actually be quite transient. So they are Mm -hmm. for an evening. Do you find that people make connections during the evening and that you're hosting a share plates that then stay in touch? Or is it just this sort of one moment of transient beauty that never sort of never comes together again?
1: Yeah. It's funny because, um, we, again, it's not, we we call it anti-networking where I think people get invited to these dinners and they're like, okay, so do I need to bring like my business card or blah, blah, blah. And we're like, well, actually it's the opposite uh, where you're not allowed to say what you do. Um, but we just leave it up to people. Like we don't even, we've toyed with the idea of maybe taking a group picture and tagging people so they have the option to sort of connect afterwards if they want to. So I think some people... Or not? I think I know that some people exchange have exchanged numbers. There was almost a date that happened between people that I'm still <laughs> really pushing for. That would have been like really cool to make happen. <laughs> um, what a great meet cute! I think. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I'm, I'm I'm still pushing for that. Um, I know that one of my guests and one of Ryan's guests went to a dance class afterwards and um, have exchanged numbers. And uh, yeah, there's definitely people connecting or. Um, but I think, as you said, like, I'm okay if it's just this transient thing where people sort of float off into the night as well. And it's this dreamlike moment and, um, creating that one experience that they have this one time and just go out into the world and talk about it. And, uh, if any, if anything else just changes the way that they approach talking with strangers or looking Mm -hmm. around and, um, yeah, so we get, we get both and we're okay with, we're okay with both.
0: Yeah, I think for me, um, maybe coming to an evening like that, it would, knowing that it was going to be fleeting or there was no sort of permanency attached to it, it would almost make me more willing to be open because mm-hmm. you kind of, you can, you can go in with the sense of I don't have to see these people again if I really don't totally. want to. And if Absolutely. I do want to, great. Then let's, you know, let's exchange right. numbers and stay, stay in touch. Right. Um, Jess, I'm interested to know where you and Ryan got the idea for this like where did share plates come from what was the seed of the idea that then germinated into these evenings being curated by you guys
1: um so ryan went to this dinner that his friend hosted lucia and she started them because she was working in social media she was sort of before when twitter first came out she was on twitter and doing twitter and figured out that whole world of how to make I don't know how to tweet <laughs> and uh, whatever. That's that very, is. very technical
0: explanation, Jess.
1: <laughs> right. I'm an artist, not a techie, obviously. Um, not moving to San Francisco anytime soon. Uh, anyway, so she was doing social media, uh, you know, writing blogs and doing content writing and working from home. And technically her job was on these platforms that are supposed to connect us. And, um, but she wasn't leaving her house and she wasn't seeing people face to face. And so she was simultaneously talking about connection, practicing online connection, but not actually connecting with people. And so it was sort of a practical sort of need for social time for her. Um, And, uh, but yes, she and her roommate at the time started hosting these monthly dinners to have their friends over. And they liked the idea of having prepared questions so that people Got to know each other and uh, had a little bit more intentional conversation than just, you know, hoping that you run into someone in the kitchen that you have something in common with or something like that. So Ryan attended a dinner and thought that it was beautiful. And so we were, he was debriefing the the evening and I was like, I want to do this. I think that this is, this is awesome. I think, uh, I'm a closeted introvert as, uh, most delicate artists are. And so small talk is exhausting for me and, you know, finding things I would, I would rather talk about, you know, sort of meandering over what the meaning of life is than talk to someone about they're barbecuing or their hair or something like that. So um, for me sort of being able to get into the deep and into the muck with people is a lot more uh, energizing than just kind of shooting the crap. (laughs) And yeah, so, um, so that's where it originated. And uh, we sort of latched onto Lucia's format and, and tweaked it to our own uh, what we thought would work best with having the questions instead of she sort of would have a list um, prepared and always ask them and then um, ask the questions. And we just liked having the idea of being able to pass the basket around. So you get the conversation starting from different points in the table. And that also it's inter- a little bit interactive, I guess.
0: Yeah. Can you talk us through Jess and um, how people go about answering those questions? So I'm, I'm imagining I'm at a share share plates right now. I've just got the basket I've picked out the question, I've given my answer to it. Do we then go round in circles or does the conversation flow a little bit more organically? How do you call time on a question? Like talk me through that process.
1: Sure. So again, has been a bit trial and error. Like we've had dinners. We had one dinner, which was like completely derailed. And I don't think we got through an entire question once, which was an anomaly. But for the most part, people stick to the structure. And for the most part a question starts, and then it just goes around in a circle. Um, And we've toyed with the idea of, we don't want it to be over fabricated, or that, you know, if the conversation is going into a really cool place, we'll let it, we'll let it go. We're learning how, how and when and at what point to step in and sort of keep it to the point. And staying on topic for us is about um, making sure that we're hearing from everyone because there's naturally going to be people who talk more than others or who are more comfortable sharing than others. Um, So we are wanting to hear from those people who are maybe quieter in our lives that I have always been the most surprised about. Um, And uh, so, yeah, so we're learning how to facilitate and when, when to cut in and when to let it go Um, but, and each group has a little bit of a different dynamic and sometimes we get through only four questions because it takes forever to answer them. We have a really long winded whole group. And then sometimes like one time we went through 17 questions and people were just rattling through them and it was kind of a whirlwind to get through it all. So, um, yeah, so that's sort of how the format goes and we're learning, uh, when, when to interject and when to just let it happen.
0: What's the most surprising thing that you have learned about yourself as a result of doing these? So you mentioned that the reason I'm asking that question is you just mentioned um, you know, you're often surprised by even some of the guests that you have invited, the answers that they're sharing. So yeah, I suppose Mm -hmm. just a bit of bit of self-reflection on your part. What's been surprising that you've learned about yourself as a result of hosting these, Jess?
1: Such a great question. Um I think first and foremost, learned what I'm passionate about, the, how much joy this brings me and how energized I feel by this. Um, I've learned, I guess, a, a strength of, of, or at least a, a very deep-rooted passion of wanting to gather people and, and hold space for them. Um, and and something that I've, I guess this isn't something I've learned about myself, but some a skill that I'm learning to do is, how to ask the right questions, um, and what that there are good questions and that there are better questions um, to to really get to know someone. Because when even when um, I was at a, my friend's concert recently, and uh, the musician asked my friend that I was attending the concert with, "So man, what's new in your life?" and my friend answered, "Oh, nothing. Like still the same." And I'm like, "That's terrible." What he's actually asking is. I want to interact with you. I want to know something about you. Share something about yourself. And I think everyone wants to connect. And so it's just sort of I've learned more so to have my eyes open for that of how how to interact with people so that we actually feel like we're sharing a part of ourselves every time that I'm interacting with people.
0: Do you go into these evenings with any sort of expectations like what you hope to get out of the evening or how you hope things go? Or do you just go in sort of and see how see how it goes?
1: yeah well, I guess that's something I've learned another another skill or another life lesson I guess um, because I think at the beginning I was really intentional about who I wanted to meet of my from my different social circles but then uh, it all kind of goes to crap sometimes anyway where someone inevitably cancels and then you have some random person that you text and they show up two hours later and they're able to come and we're not in control of uh, who ends up showing up? So we are, and Ryan and I always say to each other, whoever's meant to be at the table shows gets to the table. Um, and there was even a time ta- my my girlfriend Lindsay had to cancel. She she has a son and he was sick and last minute had to had to pull out. And um, it ended up being just the group that that gathered. She wouldn't have been. It wasn't the group for her. So I know that she'll come to a dinner that's going to be a better fit. And so just learning to let that go and not. We get panicked that, you know, if we don't have our exact eight guests, that you know, if there's seven or six, some there was months where there was only six people and you get kind of downtrodden or like that we're not it's not cool enough or people don't want to come or whatever. And then it just ended up being that even had a gift in and of itself that it was a smaller group. And yeah, so learning how to how to let go and 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 not have an agenda again for the conversation of like this is what we want to talk about, and this is the kind of content that we want to create, and this is the kind of dialogue that we want to have. we can't we have no control over that, and um all our job is is to uh, facilitate the space and let it let it go from there and feel the natural rhythm of of the group so um yeah, that's been a learning experience. You can take it into lots of different areas of your life of learning how to be less uh sort of uh, what's the word like yeah just not uh, none of us are in control but learning how like realizing that that's okay that and to just accept the gift of whatever that night has because some of them are just lighthearted like some of the dinners I walk away from and I'm like that was such a beautiful evening and everyone was so lovely and you know some beautiful comments were made and sort of anecdotes and then other times I leave and I'm like that was so heavy and deep and I learned something about myself or I learned something from this person um, and both are great and both are, are necessary experiences to have.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I, I love the fact that the dynamics of those could change based on just one guest, right? So totally one, one person in a Um And it could be a different, completely different experience for the evening. Right. It's so um, I suppose that's part of the fun of it from, from your perspective is you sort of get this mix of weird, random people in a room together and just yeah. uh just throw a couple of grenades in the middle with good questioning and <laughs> and see see what happens.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: So what what advice would you give to someone, Jess, um, that may be listening to this podcast thinking, that sounds really cool. I'd like to give something like that a bash. How would how would someone else get started hosting or doing something like this? What would be your Top couple of tips.
1: Um, I would say not to worry too much about the food. It's funny, people will always they're like, this is I love this is such a dining experience or something. I'm like, this is not dining, this is dinner. Like we have made, like we have successfully (laughs) made some warm food and you know, a salad and whatever to like not worry too much about that. Um I think. There is something to, especially if you're not inviting strangers, I could see if people know each other, then they're less respectful of the sort of format of keeping it to one discussion for the evening. Um, But I think that that's really essential to um, the, if the the point is to learn something new from, from someone else. And, uh, and so to reiterate at the beginning of, of the dinner that you're there to participate in this sort of, What can, at the beginning, feel a little bit of a contrived format, um, but the purpose is to hear from every single person um, and uh, to sort of stick to the question and not go off script too much, uh, if you can. And you use your own discretion of how to guide that. Um, And then pick questions that you're really interested in, but that are also open-ended, that give people freedom uh, to answer as... In depth, or sort of a brush over answer, and to give them the the permission to to get into it as much as they want, or to give us even a surface if they need to sort of pass on an answer or whatever. Even the question, "How is your life different than a year ago?" There's so many layers to the way that I could answer that question. Of what month are we in? July now, I guess. Like what was happening in my life last July? Mm-hmm. I can say, "Oh, well, I did this, or I was learning about that, or I was." doing this job and now I'm not. So there's sort of that layer. And then there's what you're learning about yourself or sort of deeper circumstances or whatever. So choosing questions that there's an option, not being like, who do you least get along with in your family is like, a, <laughs> like not not a great question, but to say, uh, are you like, what's your family dynamic like? And people can get into their family structure mm-hmm. as d- in depth as they want to, or they can they can pass, but that you're not you know, digging and, and closing off the answer that it, that people feel that they're sort of put in a position that they're forced to share some sort of deep answer if they're not willing to.
0: You've already mentioned, um, the no talking about work or no talking about what it is you do for a living policy. Mm -hmm. Are there any other sort of guidelines or rules that, um, you guys share at the start of the evening?
1: Um, we just sort of reiterate that listening is just as important as sharing and to not worry about your answer very much. Like if it's not a question that you have a lot to contribute to, uh, that's totally fine. Uh, And uh, we've had to say, which has been a little bit shocking, which is weird to just like ask people not to be on their phones, (laughs) which you would think wouldn't be something that you had to say, but uh, that has come up a couple of times where we've had to just be like, we'd love for you to just be present with us and not uh, scrolling on your Instagram for the next two hours. So yep. yeah, those are, those are kind of the, the rules that we have. It's funny. People really fight the work thing. Uh, we, my friend came who had just finished medical school, which obviously is a feat in and of itself and very impressive and all consuming for a decade yep. basically. Yep. And he had sort of missed that part of the invite And so he walked in and basically had an identity crisis for for the first 40 minutes of the dinner because he was sort of having this like, if I'm not my job, then who am I? And I've worked so hard for this. And even we asked, it was funny because we asked the question, uh, what's the last creative thing that you've done? And his answer without talking about work could sound sort of mundane. Like he took uh, a step, I can't remember, it was like an intake for diagnosing diabetes or something like that i can't really again not a details person uh he took this thing that was supposed to be 10 steps and made it into three steps which could be like oh well we used to keep the printer paper for the copier over here but now it's over here and it's more convenient for people that could be one person's uh creative thing but because he's a doctor it, it does inform that he was doing something a lot more cool than just moving printer paper but i think it was important for him to have that experience and important to experience sort of the discomfort of that, that he can see, even though he does this really impressive and important job that he is also more than just his job.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's great. Um, So I think whenever I was initially reaching out to you, Jess, to be a guest on the podcast, I'd mentioned that I wanted you to come on and talk about this, I suppose, vague notion of strangers because of what you do with share plates. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to hear a little bit about what you've learned about, strangers as one of the hosts of share plates like what what do you have to share about that
1: i think it's really like tweaked me out taking public transit even because i just especially if i've just had a share plates i look around and i'm like everyone has a story and everyone is just this complex person that has so much going on in their life and we just don't know and we don't have the the time to connect always but um yeah it changes my perspective on the way that I interact with people and uh I think and just that there's there's always something to be surprised about in in the people that we meet, even if it's at the coffee shop or, you know, in in your commute to work or whatever. And it's influenced, you know, wanting to have a posture of being sort of on the on the lookout for um connection and that there's always an opportunity to do that. And that if we're asking the right questions, then we are going to be able to to connect with different people that we otherwise wouldn't. Um, and just that the idea of relationship or the idea of sharing, like you don't need to be close with someone in order to like share a part of yourself with the people that you're interacting with. Um, Cause obviously we get, we get right into it and get to hear about people's com- yeah complex life and complex stories and where they're at in their life. And that we're all sort of also all stumbling on the same questions and trying to figure it out and, seeing that throughout different ages different demographics different job titles or pay grades and all that kind of stuff everyone's sort of there's there's commonality to be found uh in all of those things
0: Mm, yeah that's great so that's all well and good if you're sort of you're opting in to come to something like share plates for the evening and having that experience with strangers How, how do you think we could go about doing that outside of those sort of um curated contexts so how do we go about just being a little bit more intentional a little bit less surface level with you know joe blogs in the street or jane doe who we meet in the park one day and right share a little bit of our lives but also find out a little bit about about them
1: um i think it's something i've been challenged with because i think that i'm not uh great at that, to be honest, like to, I can be sort of in my own introspective world that I'm in my own headspace when I'm going to and from work or, you know, sort of on this laser focused mission wherever I'm going or probably running five minutes late. So I'm a little flustered and not, (laughs) not interacting with people. But, um, so I think that it's just the challenge to sort of look up a little bit and be a little bit more present in our world. And then finding ways to ask, like, tell me about yourself. Like what what we're truly at, even asking like what do you do for work? Or um it doesn't matter how you answer that question. What I'm like the the actual question that's being asked is I want to know about you. Um and so finding ways finding ways to do that and to scale it down too, Of like even my friend at work always makes fun of me he's like don't share plates me because I've started I come up <laughs> and try and like draw more conversation out of him but we'll say you know what's the best thing that's happened this week for you and to scale it down because that could just be like oh I got a haircut or I found a new coffee shop that I love, or it could be, I got a promotion. Some, you know, sometimes we have things in our life that are really huge, but sometimes they're really small And that finding ways to scale it down, to celebrate all of those things and truly get people to just talk about, about their life and who they are and what they like doing. And there's so many, so many, Ryan's really passionate about this as a hairdresser. Like he, he would say so many people would come and just sort of rant and complain about work. They'd sit in his chair and people would get negative really quickly. And so he has made it a huge, um, priority and he's great at this to not ask people about work. And so it's such a relief to him to host something that forces people to learn that skill. Cause it's something that he's extremely passionate about. Um, and to create dialogue or dynamic, I guess, within our social, whether it's at work, sort of water cooler, lunch break type thing or with strangers or with our friends, even of the dynamic and quality of conversations that we're having. So I think I've learned how I'm getting better at, uh, at that, of having a deeper conversation or more intentional conversation.
0: So we've talked a lot about share plates um, Mm -hmm. and thank, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us, Jess. Super, super interesting, but I'm acutely aware that that's not the only thing going on in your life. And uh, <laughs> would love to hear a little bit more about your other creative pursuits. So can you share a little bit about what's what's going on in that area for you?
1: Sure. So the band that I was in disbanded amicably, very amicably, uh, two years ago. Important to note ago. that it
0: was amicably.
1: It was, well, people, I'm like, our band broke up and people were like, oh, what happened? And it was just <laughs> life happened. Our lead singer and his wife had their first baby and they lived two and a half hours out of Toronto. Um, And also our drummer happened to become the mayor of Guelph, which is a town nearby Toronto. So (laughs) it was pretty hilarious enough that we had a mayor for a drummer. Um, So people got busy and we just, uh, the band was getting busy enough that it wasn't just a garage band type thing anymore. So we sort of had to make the decision to take an on-ramp or off-ramp. So um, the project ended. So I've sort of, after that, I've sort of been like, well, now what, what do I do with myself? So I, I'm i toying with, you know, I'm starting to songwrite again and who knows what will come of that. But that's something that I'm very passionate about and love doing. Um, and I've written a poetry blog for the last five years, which started off as I had writer's block with songwriting because I was putting so much pressure on myself. Um, so I started this blog of a daily poem or creative nonfiction um, called The Word Project, where I technically write a poem that's the definition of a word, sort of indirectly or by background. And it's, be- it's become an almost daily practice at times. In April and October, I always write a poem a day, um, which is an incredible uh, exercise to always see that if you make space for it, that something always comes to the page. It's not always the most prolific or like my best work ever, but to, to practice, um, just creating for the sake of creating and, um, to honor and make space for creative work. So that's my poetry mostly. I mean, if nothing else is just an exercise of like keeping the soil well worked to keeping that creative muscle going. Um, but as also, as I look back now, I have this, this five-year sort of journal of what I'm questioning and what I'm thinking about and what I'm observing and people, you know, people I've been in love with and not being in love and sort of seeing this this journal all across it of um of where my life has gone or what I was struggling with and you can look back and and see that uh, see how much you've changed so that's been cool um so I would love to make a sort of compilation uh of of that work so that's sort of a new project that uh I. I'm sort of drumming up and I'm also have started writing a novel um, in the last eight months. So um, I'm signed up for a course to sort of keep me on track as a scatterbrain. I sort of need the structure of saying you need to have 5000 words by Friday. I think it would be really good for me because otherwise sometimes I write for hours and hours and then I won't touch it for a couple months. So I think the structure of having a deadline would be great. So that's those are sort of the creative projects that I have going on right now.
0: So what, Jess, um, what do you do if you get stuck, if the creative muscles seize up and stop working? What are some of the things that you have found to get the juices flowing again?
1: I think the biggest thing is getting off my phone. I noticed that I am really, I get like burnout if I'm just mind, if I'm being mindless. And that's an easy way I get. I'm not, I'm not great at that. I can get stuck in the rabbit hole of Instagram or Twitter or like, different articles online even and stuff um so getting off my phone and even just going for a walk and actively practicing observation um and I'll sort of say to myself or even take notes sometimes um of like I noticed this couple and I'll describe them or I I noticed this tree I noticed this red door I noticed the sidewalk I noticed these scooters or whatever and so it's, just even listing things to yourself is like seeing that there's always material. If you're just observing, if you're, if you're on the lookout, I guess. Um, and then usually that will do it. Um, so that there's a lot of staring at walls sometimes, but uh, there's a weird, um, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this in her Ted talk about creativity and the muse of sometimes like the swirly sort of otherworldly muse floating above you. And, if you're still enough, you can pluck them, pluck down the inspiration. And so sometimes I think it's just about quieting yourself and quieting your mind. And Mm -hmm. uh, the muse will honor you, I guess, (laughs) mostly for the most part. And sometimes it's just like not happening that day. And that's fine. But sitting down and creating space and creating time to be like, okay, well, if something wants to come to me, then I'm ready and I'm practicing and I'm, I'm showing up to the page.
0: Does that come natural to you, Jess, that idea of slowing down and stopping? Because I, I, just as you're saying that, um, that to me sounds really, really challenging. So the idea of waiting and hoping almost against hope that something, something comes to you feels
1: Hmm. like
0: that would, that would really pressure me or that would, I don't know, It just feels like a real struggle Mm -hmm. for, for me. Do you find that comes naturally to you?
1: I think that, The reason that I write is because it helps center things because things do feel swirly and hard to, like, in the same way you say in your intro of having eight books on your table and, you know, 40 tabs open on your computer at any given time, I'm thinking about where the, how the world started and, you know, What I'm going to eat tomorrow, and I wonder how my mom's doing, and what did my dad think about his childhood, and who I want to hang out with for on the weekend. Like, I'm thinking about those simultaneously all the time. And so, to sit down and all I mean, even just journaling is just saying, like, how am I doing, and what am I thinking about, and what am I worried about, and is this something I should be worried about? So, even just writing for me is just naming things, like naming what's on my mind, and then seeing if it's worth exploring or if it's something that's an unnecessary tab to have open so it's almost like a intake process for me um so this the writing creates stillness and the writing does quiet me if that makes sense instead of Mm. being quiet so that i can write i write so that i can be quiet
0: yeah that's that's great thanks so much for sharing that Jess um if i was to ask you who your favorite poet or perhaps your favorite writer was who's who's the person that sort of springs to mind that is your inspiration
1: um i love mary oliver's poetry she's uh, an american poet who lives a really simple life and writes about just it's very observational poetry but she she writes a lot of nature poetry and you know the bigger qu- and writes often about the bigger questions of on, in life. Um, Wendell Berry is another favorite poet of mine. He writes a lot about nature as well. My dad is uh, really into nature, so I think I it's how we have most connected in our relationship. And so um, we'll swap. That's one of his. He really likes Wendell Berry as well. So I think that's been a point of connection. So soft spot there. Um, and Reiner Maria Rilke is a German poet from the early 1900s who he, he wrote a book called, or it's a collection. That's a um, collection of letters that he wrote to a poet that's called letters to a young poet. Um, And he has great advice on um, just what it means to be an artist and the solitude of that and how to gracefully sit in sort of the solitude and loneliness of, of being an artist. And I think there's also something to reading Translated poetry because each language has its own unique vernacular or even imagery, and so it automatically feels more poetic because it's not american uh or north north American imagery, and so I really like reading reading his work so yeah, those are my go to poets for time downtime I guess yeah that's <laughs> or for great. inspiration
0: thanks jess um so I normally like to go into a couple just a few quick fire questions to and um, sort of bring us in for a close if that's good with you. So sure. um, they don't need a lot of thought and some of them are just sort of one, one word answer. So I'll just start firing them at you if that's okay. Okay, sure. Great. So do you prefer reading or watching telly to
1: switch off? Um, reading. I, I'm i I'm like one word, just, just give one word. I could give an explanation. Like I, TV, I think if I'm like completely burnt out, then it's good just for, like, that's more of, like, a burner thing for me for the most part. But reading, I think I connect with more.
0: Okay, so if you are completely burnt out and you're wanting to stick something on Netflix, what's the sort of show you go to binge watch?
1: Oh, my gosh, that's such a mean question. I feel like that's asking someone, like, to see their, like, underwear (laughs) drawer. There's, like, there's, like, movie, like, I love How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is, like, always what I watch when I have the flu because it's, like... It's classic, and I can doze to it, but it's funny. Kathy McConaughey, what a dream dreamboat. Like, it has all the things, like, witty banter and the whole thing. Um, I have crushed a lot of Grey's Anatomy in my life. Like, I feel like every breakup, that's sort of... I go into, like, the dark hole of season one and two of that. Um, uh, and then, like, The Office, like the which is... I mean, the American version, hate to be controversial. on. Oh, I love the uh, American
0: version of The Office. It's
1: so good. So that's, yeah. like, a good like it's a good snippet of 22 minutes to sort of get you not thinking about your day. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. So those are my
1: like embarrassing non deep, cool indie artistic (laughs) shows that I watch.
0: (laughs) The cover has been shattered Jess. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I know.
1: I want to present myself as this like really deep, you know, person. And that's what I watch sometimes.
0: If you were planning a holiday, are you more likely to go for a beach holiday or an adventure holiday?
1: I would go adventure holiday.
0: And are we talking adventure as in trekking through the jungle or the wilderness, or in a city that you've never been to?
1: I think alternating those two experiences would be uh, that would be ideal.
0: Great. What is your most annoying habit?
1: Oh, my goodness. I'm sure I know. Well, I don't know. <laughs> um, I was made aware this week that uh, I told my friend I was doing a podcast and he goes, just don't do that weird mouth click thing that you do, which apparently I go in between a bunch <laughs> of sentences. So I've been extremely paranoid. I have like, don't mouth click written on a piece of paper in front of me. So hopefully people will not go back to the beginning of this interview and listen to that. Um And I think I'm, I mean, to get a little deeper, I think I'm a little bit scatterbrained and that can affect my friendships at times when I can be disorganized or disoriented or um, thinking about a lot of things at once. And so not uh, giving my full presence. And I think that that as a friend would be annoying to be friends with me.
0: Sure. And final question then is, what is your favorite thing to receive as a gift?
1: a heartfelt letter
0: love that thank you so much (laughs) um Jess just before we wrap up I want to give you the opportunity to um share with people where they can find out a little bit more about you so if you've got a website um Twitter handles Instagram accounts anything like that you'd like them to check out it is over to you now to do that
1: great well we have um a SharePlates instagram account which is at SharePlates toronto um so anytime that we have a dinner we while ryan and i are getting ready we give a little bit of insight ahead of time of the preparation process and get a little snapshot into that so that's a great uh, account to check out um my personal instagram and twitter is at jess jans um so if you want pictures of like you know, my, like a lot of like my neighborhood and like cute doorsteps or bicycles locked to things is usually what I end up taking pictures of. Um, So that's that. And then my poetry um, and website is visitjessjans.com is the website. And then the Instagram account, which also posts the, um, each poem is at visitjessjans.
0: And I personally strongly recommend people follow at visit Jess Jans on Instagram. I love it. Love your, love your writing, Jess. So um, thanks for sharing that. And thanks so much for giving up your time and coming onto the podcast.
1: It was a very easy sell and a great uh, way to spend a morning. Thanks, Jess. Thanks, Johnny.
0: That's it for this week, folks. We'll have another episode out next Wednesday. In the meantime, please make sure you've subscribed to the show and left us a rating and a review. You can connect with us over on Instagram or Twitter at Spoke Podcast. Thanks for listening.